morning. Can you hear? Okay. Hey, EEC family, it's great to be with you again. I hope you can understand my strange accent. I come from South Africa, so uh, I hope you can understand. It is great to be with you again. I've been here at EEC a couple of times, and it's great to be back with you. So thanks, Josh and the team, for inviting me. And Evangel, I'm not sure if you're online. Uh, welcome to you too. And to Evelyn, it's great to be with you guys today. Uh, why don't we pray together as we look at God's Word and ask Him to speak to us. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, and as we've said many times, God, we are not the least bit interested in hearing my opinions. God, we want to hear you speak to us. And so, God, as we look at your Word, won't you speak to us? God, you know where each one of us are at. You know our joys and our fears you know, God, who has had a good week and who's had a challenging week. You know, God, the delights and the worries of our hearts. You know the fears and the insecurities. God, this morning, won't you speak to us? And Lord, I pray that through your word in a very simple way, you will continue to build your church. Lord, we know that this is your church. Won't you build your church? Through your word, we pray in your wonderful name. Amen. Well, um, when it comes to sermons, different churches can do all sorts of very interesting things, right? Uh, there are all sorts of interesting sermon series that different churches have tried. I think we've got a slide with a couple of pictures. Um, here are some ideas of what different churches have come up with. You drive me crazy dealing with difficult people, okay? Or it's your time. I don't know what that means, but maybe it's your time, right? Your time to shine. Or game changers. I don't know what that means. but uh, Or relationships. Five ways to make relationships work. Well, at the church that I come from, we don't do that at all. And uh, my guess is that I think at EEC, you don't do that. We preach through books of the Bible, and I think you do that as well. And so Evangel and I were chatting a few months ago, and he asked me to Talk about why is it that we do that? Uh, we have just done Ecclesiastes like you. We went through it in a couple of weeks. We just started last week the book of Ephesians. Before that, we did Matthew. Uh, in the new year, we're going to go back to Matthew again. Why don't we do something riveting and exciting like Sex in the City or Keeping Up with the Kardashians or the Corinthians or something funny like that, right? Why do we preach through books of the Bible? I mean, surely you want to be relevant and hip and exciting and 21st century. You've got to do some cool series to attract people to your church. No, we don't do that. Why should you as a church, EEC, preach through books of the Bible? Well, uh, I want us to consider that this morning. 500 years ago, there was this very famous pastor called John Kelvin. You might have heard of him. He was from France, but he was ministering in a church in Switzerland, in Geneva. Uh, and after a while, the council of Geneva were unimpressed with him. It was the middle of the Protestant Rev uh, Reformation. And so the council of the city asked John Kelvin to leave the city. They ex exiled him. They, they expelled him out of the city. Well, three years later, he came back to the city. They, they said, okay, we've changed our mind. Our city's going in a bad way. We need you to come and help us revive the church. And so they invited him to come back, 1541. And you know what he did? 
his first Sunday, he had just been exiled for three years. His first Sunday, he came back and he said, well, let's just pick up where we left off three years ago. And he preached the next chapter in his Bible that they had left off three years ago. If I had been kicked out of a city and came back my first Sunday, I would say, well, this is what I've learned in my three years away. This is what God has been teaching us. But John Calvin came back and he said, well, let's see what God wants to say to us. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 57. And he just continued exactly where he left off three years ago. So why should we be a church that commits to preaching the Bible, expository sermons? Well, to answer that question, I want you to turn in your Bible, if you've got a Bible with me, to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. It's a long passage. We're not going to read all of it. And there's lots in it. But I want us just to look at a couple of things in this passage. We're going to go to lots of scripture today. But let's start off in Hebrews chapter 3. And reading from verse 7, we read this. The author writes, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years, there I was provoked with that generation. I said to them, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12. Take care, therefore, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But rather, encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. We'll pause there for now. The book of Hebrews is written to a bunch of Jewish Christians, probably in Rome, that decided to follow Jesus. But after a couple of years, they're having doubts whether this was a good decision or not. Things are going not going so well for them. There's hardship, there's persecution, things are difficult, and they're wondering whether they made the right decision. And so some of them are thinking, maybe we should abandon Christ and go back to our Jewish ways. And the author writes to say, don't do that. Everything in the Old Testament points towards Jesus. Jesus is the true and better temple. Jesus is the true and better high priest. Jesus is the true and better Melchizedek. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus, and, and he's writing them to remember Jesus. But in this chapter, he's urging them not to be like their forefathers who hardened their hearts to God's word and refused to listen to God's word and to go on their own way. And so look, he says three times, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, verse 7. Verse 15, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Chapter 4, verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 has a lot to say about this theme. But one of the obvious things that we should hear is this. God is a God who speaks to his people. God speaks to us. The point the writer is making is that this happened 3,000 years ago, but even today, God is speaking. Do not harden your hearts to His voice. Now, for many of, many of us, that is very obvious. You may say, oh, Kevin, 
Is that all you've got to say? That God speaks to us? I mean, that is so obvious, right? Tell us something new. But I want you to just think about this for a second. Think about the God, the one eternal, uncreated, sovereign being, the being that existed before time or matter or space ever existed, before the galaxies and the universe and the solar system ever came into being, this eternal, uncreated being, the one who brought the cosmos and universes and billions of galaxies into existence, the unfathomable being who knows all things, who understands all things, who knows you better than you know yourself, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow and a billion years from now, this infinitely wise being from whom nothing is hidden, that has perfect perspective on every situation in life, on every circumstance, chooses to speak and communicate and have relationship with you and with me. With some being on this corner of the globe, in this little corner of our galaxy, in some backwater part of our universe, this eternal, sovereign, uncreated God has you in His sights and wants to speak to you. That I find amazing. Unbelievable. I think we've got a picture of a universe up somewhere. The God who created all of this with all the universes and cosmos and galaxies wants to speak to you and your circumstances and your fears and your anxieties and wants to speak to this church today and this week. Psalm 50 says it like this, Our God comes and He does not keep quiet. Or as Francis Schaeffer said, He is there and He is not silent. God speaks. And this actually is one of the distinctions that God makes in the Old Testament between Himself and every other religion. Every other religion, He says, Worship a God that does not speak. Psalm 115, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. Or Habakkuk 2, What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. Its maker trusts his own creation when he makes speechless idols. One of the things that differentiates the God of the Bible from every other God is that our God speaks. He speaks to you. He speaks to his people. Friends, the God of the Bible is not just the fact that he's not the work of human hands, the eternal God. He is not silent. Sometimes he thunders like he does in the book of Exodus. Sometimes he, he speaks with a still, small whisper. Sometimes, like in Isaiah 42, he gently leads his people through paths that they want to go. But the point is, God is not silent. He speaks. Now, of course, God speaks in many ways. He speaks through creation. Right, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above proclaim His handiwork. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night. Sometimes God speaks through signs and wonders. A pillar 
of fire in the wilderness, a pillar of cloud, a bush that burns, but it does not burn. Sometimes God speaks through dreams and visions. Think of Joseph in Egypt or Joseph, the father of Jesus, the stepfather of Jesus, who in a dream was told to escape to Egypt because Pharaoh was after, I mean, Herod was after Jesus. Sometimes God speaks to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You just get a sense or an impression. God wants me to do something. But the main way that God has chosen to speak to his people by his spirit into our hearts is through his word. Through his word. It's amazing. Psalm 19 says, starts off like this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. But then in verse 7, it changes. I think we've got a slide. And it says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Why does the author go from talking about creation and the majesty of creation to suddenly talking about God's word? Well, the point is this. Creation can tell you some things, but it can't tell you everything. When God speaks through creation, he can give you some information, but you need God's word to tell you exactly what God wants. Creation is not sufficient. It is not inerrant. It is not clear. Sometimes people see creation and they think, wow, the stars, the moon, the sun, this is amazing. And what do they do? They want to bow down and worship the sun and the moon and the stars. You see, the creation speaks. It tells you, you are not the center of the universe. There is a God, but it's not clear enough who that God is. And so some people bow down to creation. Or think about uh, signs and wonders. Remember, Jesus does plenty of signs and wonders but people couldn't always understand them. Sometimes Jesus casts out a demon, and what do the people say? Oh, he must have a really powerful demon inside of him to cast out that demon. They miss the signs, right? Or think about sometimes, uh, uh, here's a story about a sign and wonder. I have a friend back in Cape Town. His name is Terran. And um, my friend Terran, when he was uh, 20 years old, he was dating a girl called Claire. And he thought, I, he's wondering whether to marry Claire or not, okay? And uh, he said, God, give me a sign. And the relationship wasn't going very well. They were fighting and they were arguing. And he says, God, give me a sign. Well, one day he's driving up the street and he sees a poster for the magazine Marie Claire. And what does he think? It's a sign. God is telling me to marry Claire, right? And so he goes home and he tells his pastor, God has given me a sign. I think I need to marry Claire. Well, I'm glad his pastor was very wise and said, I don't think you should marry Claire. You two are not very compatible. And he didn't marry Claire and he married someone else who is a much better wife for him, right? The point is, signs and wonders can be wonderful, but they're not clear. They're not sufficient. They're not perfect. Friends, what about the Holy Spirit? How many young boys have felt the Holy Spirit tell them to marry the prettiest girl in the youth group, right? God's leading by the Holy Spirit is wonderful, but it's not sufficient. But there is a word from God that is rock solid, that can speak to you in the storms of life, 
that can be an anchor in the storms, that can bring comfort in the hardship, that can give you wisdom and guidance and speak to you today as it did thousands of years ago. And so God's word is what we need. And so look at how Hebrews chapter 4 ends. Look at verse 12. Very famously, it says, The word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word is living and active. Now what does that actually mean? What does that mean? Well, let's think about that a bit more. God's word is active. What does it mean that God's word is active? One of the things it means is that the way God works in the world and in his church is through his word. Throughout scripture, we see God's word is more than just revelation of God's heart or his will. It's actually the way that God works in the world. Another way of saying that is scripture says what God's word does is what God does. Look at Psalm 29 with me. Okay, it says this. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars. Or verse 8. The voice of the Lord shatters, uh, shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Well, well, what's going on there? Is it God's word that does it or is it that God that does it? And wh which verse is right? Well, the answer is they're both right. The way that God works in the world is through his word. Or look at Psalm 107. It talks about all these scenarios where people are lost. They're, they're in a helpless situation. They cry out to God, verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from his distress. He sent out his word and he healed them, delivering them from their destruction. Well, which one is it? Is it? How did God deliver these people from their distress? Did he send them a Bible in the mail? No, he, his words spoken to their hearts and break, gave them relief. God ransomed them, healed them, restored them, delivered them. How does God save his people? Well, he doesn't send disaster relief. He sends them his word. Friends, when you are lost and you don't know which way to turn, how does God draw near to you and work in your heart? He gives you his word. He says, behold, I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. His word is how God works in the world. And of course, the culmination of this is that God sends the Lord Jesus Christ, God's word made flesh, to come to us in person. And one of the reasons that God's word does his work is because God's word is powerful. I'm sure many of you know the famous verse in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. Well, how does God's word save people? His word gets into our hearts and opens our eyes to turn to Christ and say, God, I need you. Or Thessalonians chapter 5, our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Friends, God describes his word like a hammer that smashes rocks open. It's like a fire that combusts in our heart. It's a power to it that changes your life. God is able to accomplish something through his word. God does his work through his word. When God gives you his word, he's not just giving you a set of doctrine or teaching. He's giving you himself. 
So what does this mean for our Sunday worship service? Well, it means, Psalm 100, let me put it this way. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So how is God going to build EEC? How is God going to build this church? Is he going to do it by good-looking leaders? Chris and others leading us in worship or evangel, right? Is that how God's going to build this church? No, he's going to build it by giving his word. And as you as a church come to God and let God's word speak to you, and build your faith and build your heart, he will build this church. John Piper says it like this, you can build a church based on human wisdom, but all you will do is build a monument to your own futility. Friends, I'm sure you've all seen this. Some, sorry, some young, good-looking pastor comes and they build this amazing church and wonderful lights and, and it's all very exciting and very sexy and all very wonderful and all these people flock to the church and they have wonderful online presence and people talk about this church and it grows and it grows and it grows and what happens a few years later? The whole thing falls apart. You can build a church on your human wisdom but all you'll do is build a monument to your own futility and stupidity. But there is another way. God says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And how does God build his church? He does it through his word. And so friends, when you come to church on a Sunday and your pastors open up God's word and expound it and explain it and apply it, it's not just information in your head. God is by his word doing something in your heart because the word of God does the work of God. And so let God pastor you through his word. God's word is active. It's the way that God works in the world. But secondly, God's word is living, right? Hebrews 4.12 says God's word is living and active. Let me provoke us to think about this. God is present with us in his word. Now, of course, that's not the only way that we know God's presence but one of the main ways that we know that God is with us is that he speaks to us from his word. So let's just think about this for a minute. I don't know if you've ever had this situation in life. You're going through a difficult moment. Maybe work is hard or your parents' health is bad or something in life is very difficult and you're anxious and you're worried and you don't know how it's going to work out. And you open your Bible one day and you have a devotion and God speaks to you with such clarity. It's like God is sitting in the chair next to you. Have you ever had that? I had that just recently. Let me see if I can find it actually. I, I actually printed this out. I, at our church, we, we, uh, we got a whole bunch of leaders that are leaving. Right? They're, they're all leaving Hong Kong. Their companies are moving them to Singapore and America. And so our eldership team has shrunk from seven to three. And we approached two people and we said, we want you to be elders. And one of them said, oh, I'd love to be, but I'm moving to America. Okay, there goes another one. Someone else said, I'd love to be, but I can't at the moment. I've got some medical exams coming up. And so I was just feeling like, oh God, our church is going to fall apart. What are you doing? What's happening? 
And that morning, I was reading through my Bible in the book of Chronicles, and this is what I came across. You, my son, know the Lord, the God of your father, and serve him with your whole heart. For the Lord says, um, if you seek him, he'll be found by you. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen to build a house for his sanctuary, and he will do it. David said to Solomon, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for building his house is finished. I mean, isn't that amazing? I was just feeling, God, I'm so anxious. I'm worried the church is going to fall apart. How, what's going to happen to your house? I open up my Bible and God says, I will build my house. Now, the point is this. In that moment, that wasn't just information in my head. Do you know what that was? That was God saying to me, I am with you, Kevin. I am present with you. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't left you. I am with you. In Hebrews, God says this, His word is living and active. It is living. God is with us in His word. In Genesis 15, there's this amazing exchange that takes place between Abraham and God. Look at what it says here. Abraham says, Behold, God, you've given me no offspring. A member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, saying, This man will not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And God brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven. Number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. Now, if you know the book of Genesis, this is a pivotal moment where God appears to Abraham and reaffirms his covenant promise with him. I mean, for generations, Israel is going to come back to this passage and say, God spoke to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. This is a covenant, an important part in Israel's history. But what does it say there, verse 4? How did God come to him? It says, the word of the Lord came to him. Well, it's obvious that God came to him. But it says that God came to him in his word. Or I don't know if you remember the tragic verse at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare in Israel. Well, what's that telling us? It's not just saying that visions were rare. I mean, it is saying that. But it's saying that God was no longer with his people. I mean, that's the great tragedy of 1 Samuel is that God is not with his people. How do we know that? Because his word is not with his people. And so God is present with His Word. Where His Word is, is where God is. What it means is that God's people had rejected God, and so He had rejected them by no longer giving them His Word. Friends, you know what that means? It means that one of the way we treat God's Word is a reflection of how we treat God Himself. Okay, think about that for a moment. When we turn away from God's word, it is actually that we are turning away from God himself. This is what happens throughout Israel's history. When they respond to God's word in faith and obedience, it's because they're responding to God himself. And that's the author's argument in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. He says, don't be like your forefathers that turned away from God's word and harden their hearts to God's word, because God is present in his word. In Isaiah 66, there's this amazing verse. 
God says this. He says, I will build my church. You are not sovereign. You can't build your church. I will build my church. And then he says this. This is the one that I will build my church with. This is the one that I will look to. That means this is the one I will esteem or honor. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Friends, here's my question for you. How do you know whether you are humble and contrite? See, one of the problems with pride is that it blinds you to your own pride, right? The problem with pride is that you can't see that you're proud. So how do you know whether you're a humble person or not? Well, one of the answers Isaiah tells us is that you tremble before God's word. You humble yourself before God's word. But here's another question. How do you know whether your leaders at EEC are humble and contrite in heart? I mean, let's think about it. Every few months we hear in the news, some big pastor blows up and is fired from his church for some dumb thing, right? He has an affair, he steals money, he's proud and arrogant, he's controlling and manipulative. But the problem is pastors like me, we're very good at hiding our pride, right? Because you know, it's not a good thing to come to church with a swagger, right? So we pastors are very good at pretending. We know how to act humble. We know how to say the right things. You know, we say, bless you, brother. But actually in our heart, we are proud and arrogant. So here's the question. How do you know whether your leaders are humble or arrogant? Well, look what Isaiah says. He says they are one of the signs that they are humble is they bow down before God's word. They don't worship the Bible, but they honor God's word. And how do you know whether they honor God's word? Because each Sunday they don't come to you and say, listen to me. They say, let's listen to God's word. Each Sunday they don't say, I've got something to tell you. They come and they say, God has got something to tell you. They don't come to church on Sunday and say, listen to my ideas. They come and say, let's listen to what God has said. Friends, if you want a church where your leaders are not going to abuse you and take advantage of you, make sure your church leaders are submitted to God's word, are humble and contrite in heart. This is the one that I will esteem and look to. He who is humble and contrite in heart and trembles at my word. So what does this mean for our Sunday worship? Why should we preach through books of the Bible? Friends, when you come to church on Sunday, yes, you come to worship and adore God and bring Him honor and reverence. Yes, you come to encourage one another in their faith and in the gospel. But you also come to encounter the living God and to have God speak to you. Friends, you don't come to church to have Evangel speak to you. God bless you, Evangel, my friend, Evangel. With all due respect to you, Evangel, who cares what Evangel thinks, right? I mean, if you want to come to church and you want to hear five good reasons of how to find a girlfriend or three ways to make your life successful or four ways to get a promotion at work, go listen to YouTube or go listen to a TED Talk. That's not why you come to church. The reason you come to church, the reason you get up early and bring your kids across town and come here early and greet people that you don't know and stay late and pack away chairs and the reason you tithe to your church is because you come to encounter the living God, the resurrected God who's seated on the throne. And how are you going to encounter Him? When your pastor opens up the Word, And says, thus says 
the Lord. Friends, this is why we come to church, to meet with the living God and to have God speak. Friends, this week, you are going to go into Hong Kong or maybe abroad if you're a pilot. You're going to go into your office place. You're going to go into university. You're going to go into your schools. Maybe you're going to look after children at home. And you're going to have some challenges and you're going to have some obstacles. And maybe a friend is going to let you down. Or maybe your parents are going to phone you and say, I've just got some bad news, a medical report. Maybe you're going to be diagnosed with cancer. Something's going to go wrong. And what you need this week is not your pastors telling you three ways to have a happy life. What you need is to have an anchor for your soul that you can build your life on. You need God to speak to you. And so you come to church in the storms and the trials and the joys and the blessings to meet with the living God. Okay, as we come to a close, what does this practically mean? Well, let me give you five very simple, practical applications of this. Okay, so what? So what? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me see if I can answer it. Firstly, come to church ready to hear God speak to you. Friends, if you're anything like me, it's so easy to come to church still thinking about what happened yesterday, checking the stock price from Friday, checking the Premier League soccer scores from Saturday night, checking your Instagram account, right? Uh, When you come to church, come ready to meet the living God. Come ready to have God speak to you. God who wants to pour truth into your heart. God who wants to anchor your soul. God who wants to encourage you. God who wants to flood your heart with His eternal word. Come each Sunday to church and on the way to church, pray this prayer. God, speak to me today. Come and have your way in my heart. Lord, speak to me. I need to hear you speak to me today. So come to church ready to have God speak to you. Secondly, bring your Bible to church and check what the preacher is saying. Okay, no offense, Josh and Evangel. So there's this amazing verse in Acts chapter 17. Uh, The apostle Paul is going and he goes to this town called Berea. And it says this, The Bereans received the word that Paul preached with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if this was true. Okay, you can go to the next slide. So as Paul is preaching to these people in Acts, they say, hang on, Paul, hang on. Let's just check what you're saying is true. Let's just see, did Isaiah really say that in Isaiah? Wow, that's amazing. And did Moses really say that in Deuteronomy? And Paul proves to them from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. But they check the scriptures to see that Paul wasn't taking it out of context, that God was speaking to them. Friends, bring your Bible to church. And as Josh or Evangel are preaching, open up and say, let's just see what does Hebrews 4 actually say and go through it. Thirdly, when moving churches, look for a church that will teach you God's word. So I hope none of you are leaving Hong Kong. Okay, Hong Kong, we need lots of good, strong Christians. We need Bible-believing churches. Maybe you are leaving. Lots of people are leaving at the moment, right? Maybe your company is moving you to somewhere else. When you move to another city, find a church that will teach you God's Word. Find a church that will open up God's Word. And week in and week out will explain and expound the Scriptures to you. Don't go to a church that just has a cool social media account. Don't go to a church where the pastor dresses cool and you know, has a cool hairstyle. Don't choose a church on their coffee, okay? On Thursday, when your life is falling apart, you don't need coffee on Sunday. You need God's Word to speak to you. 
Find a church that is going to preach God's word. Now, here's just one little clue, okay? No church is going to say on their website, we don't preach God's word here because we don't care about God's word. Okay, Every church is going to say, we're a Bible church and we're going to preach God's word. Every church is going to say that. But go to a church where they literally just week in and week out say, open up your Bibles and let's see what God has to say to us. Because that's the kind of church we need to be a part of. Fourthly, be a man or a woman of God's word on your own. Friends, if you want to grow in Christ, become a man or a woman of God's word. And you will grow more, uh, you will grow no more than you're willing to anchor yourself in the scriptures. Be shaped by it. Dane Ortland, one of my heroes, says this. Uh, to read scripture is to read Christ. To read it is to hear his voice. So make the worshipful reading of Scripture your central daily ritual without which you have not lived a normal day. Oh my goodness, let that be true of us. Friends, one of the things that I realize in my life, every man that I look up to and I want to grow old to become like him is a man that has centered his life on the daily ritual of getting into God's Word. Make it your daily habit. And then fourthly and, uh, fifthly and finally, be a community of the word. I don't know if you picked this up in Hebrews chapter four, uh, chapter three, actually, verse 12. It says this, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another daily, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sins. Friends, the Christian life is not an individual life. You cannot follow Jesus on your own. The Christian life is a communal life. It's a family life. You must gather with your brothers and sisters to read God's word and to study God's word and to let God's word speak to you together. You need your brothers and sisters to exhort you and encourage you and to point you towards Jesus. EEC is only going to be as strong as the community is. But let it be a community that is centered on God's word. Friends, God's word is living and active. It's meaningful, it's powerful, it's personal, it's true. It's the life source of his people. It's the life source of every church. You must become a church and you must become a man or a woman that is centered on God's word. That's why we preach expositionally through books of the Bible. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we close today, we once again humble ourselves before your word. God, we take Isaiah 66 seriously. These are the ones that you will esteem and honor. Those who are humble and contrite in heart and tremble at your word. Lord, I pray for EEC. I pray for the council, for the pastors, for the leaders here. Lord, may you put a fear of God in our hearts that we will surrender ourselves and submit ourselves to the authority of God's word. Lord Jesus, we, we know that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Lord, will you build this church? May it be a lighthouse in the city. In this area of Hong Kong, may it shine bright, God. May, it build, may you make this a strong church, a faithful church that will last for generations, God, for many decades. Lord, will you do this through your word? Will you presence yourself with this church through your word? Will you be at work in this church through your word, God? Come and speak and give hope to the hopeless. Give courage to the faint-hearted. 
Strengthen those that are doubting. Come and comfort those that are mourning. Come and do this through your presence, through your spirit, through your word. We pray this in your name. Amen.